0: This is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party.
1: This is The Voice of Reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right, it is welcome into the program, the first day of the week, the greatest day of the entire week, which is why we set the tone, baby. We are ready for it, and it's going to be a fun day full of shenanigans left and right, not just for today, but for the entire week. Are you ready for it? Let's jump right into it. Welcome in, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the program, we love you to death. Appreciate you very much. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. Big show lined up today, as usual. I don't know why I say that every day, because it really is all the time. But bottom of the hour a presidential candidate. A legitimate presidential candidate coming on the program. That's all the information I'm going to give you. More details to come here in just a little bit. Obviously, we have big news coming out of New York. We'll get to in just a little bit. We have 60 Minutes. That was an absolute dead, blowing up, horrible excursion, if you watched that, over the weekend. And a lot of other things as well. Hopefully, you had a wonderful weekend, man. I finally, finally, man, was able to get outside, enjoy, not get burnt, But actually get a little bit of sun. I promise you, not much longer will I be Mr. Glow-in-the-Dark-Pale-Face. Oh, no, no. No, no. I might actually get a little color on me this year. I'm looking forward to that one. As long as it doesn't get to like 120 degrees, I think I should be. All right. Good golly. Real quickly, there is a... We're going to bounce around to some other uh, legislative bills in different states. Ohio's the first one that I saw today. A distracted driving law where apparently you're going to be able to get pulled over just by driving distracted. Now, I don't know how they know what you're doing on your phone. Maybe you're looking up your GPS. Maybe you're making a phone call, which apparently you're not even allowed to do anymore, but uh, the law enforcement has a right to pull you over. I'm curious in a semi-red state like the state of Ohio, how that is legal and how they feel like it's okay to uh, tell you what you're allowed and not allowed to do in your vehicle and that they're going to be nanny babysitting you i mean don't worry about the drugs don't worry about the crime don't worry about the murders don't worry about the assaults don't worry about that stuff make sure people aren't trying to pull up their gps on their phone while they're driving, that's the world we live in today. I I know everybody wants to get into the big issue, so let's do it because why the hell not? Right? Let's go. What's trending today? Washington D.C. to New York to Florida, wherever at. Donald Trump has officially landed at Laguardia Airport in New York City. They have a live video stream on Fox News right now outside of Trump Tower. That's all the news we have. That's I mean that's it why we're so aff- asphyxiated. Get ready because the mainstream media, this is going to be the wall-to-wall coverage that we see from now until the arraignment tomorrow to see what happens here. Uh, potentially now his uh, lawyers say that he's probably going to have all the charges dismissed. Is That's their optimistic look at this. But as of right now, he has officially flown into LaGuardia Airport. He stepped off of the, airport, uh, of the airplane. He got into his limo and he took off. While he was walking down, he coughed a little bit and saw the wind blow his hair up into the air just a wee bit because we're going to watch everything that he does for the next 24 hours. This is the coverage from Fox News and every other media outlet because everybody's hinging on what Donald Trump's going to say and what Donald Trump's going to do while he's sitting in court tomorrow with these 34, right, 31, 34 cases of quote unquote bank fraud that we don't know any details about. They have not released anything to us. But yet we're going to watch it and we're going to wonder and we're going to speculate. The left side of the aisle is just gushing over this. The right side of the aisle watching it on pins and needles. And that's all the information we know. But right now... Just as expected with the we're going to monitor every step into hell with anything else going on. The big question is what's Washington, D.C. trying to pull the next couple of days while all of our attention and all the mainstream media is on constant 24-7 surveillance of Donald Trump and Trump Towers. Even Fox News right now just has a webcam right outside of Trump Towers, just watching people walk in and out of the building. And I don't know why that's fascinating to some, but apparently it is. <laughs> apparently, people are really happy to watch Trump Tower and just wait to see whether Donald Trump's going to walk out. Or not. What does this mean for the Republicans? What does this mean if you are a Trump supporter or if you're not a Trump supporter? Is this going to win you any favors or win you over to the Trump side on the quote-unquote politicizing of the legal system? The attacking of Donald Trump to try and demonize him and make him unqualified to run for president of the United States? Or just to get that basic mugshot of him getting a photo, which apparently they will do, from what we've heard, they're going to take the mugshot. They are not going to do the handcuffs. That's the plan. So he's going to get his head shot mugged, and you know that's going to be all over social media. It's going to be all over the mainstream media, and that will be the only thing that they focus on for the next however long until the presidential election, when he really ramps up his election. But what does it mean for real Trump supporters in the Republican Party as a whole?
2: It's good for Trump within the Republican Party. I think it's good for the Democrats as far as November is concerned. Um, <clears throat> but I also agreed with the analysis of Professor Ventura. I thought it was very much correct. I don't think this case should have been brought. And uh, I think there's a good argument for a change of venue, although not in Staten Island. That's going literally from one extreme to another. Uh, there could be a more neutral political forum. But I think it was a mistake. I do like, I am glad that people are arguing on the specifics of, of this indictment, which I think should not have been brought. I would have disagreed had people argued that no president should ever be or ex-president indicted at all. That, I think, is a mistake. But in this case, I think it it, it should not have been brought. It is, I think, going down to Donald Trump's benefit in the Republican Party. I don't see it having a November effect. I don't see anybody's November uh, vote being changed.
0: It's an interesting take from Newsmax on that one earlier today with the speculation. But it's uh, the fact that we're breaking a record— Right now of the former president for the first time in history being indicted on uh, charges, on fraud charges, and uh, showing up in court as he's about to be. And again, is it political or is it justified from what we understand? The little bit that we know about whatever cases may be brought up against him already hit the statute of limitations. So this is, again, the mugshot. The politicizing of the system and trying to demonize him to make him unfit and unqualified to run down the road or at least to be able to use that during the campaign to go after him. And I don't think it's going to work. Uh, Obviously, Donald Trump being the smart PR guy that he is, what's he's doing, he's going all over media outlets today talking about what's going to happen tomorrow. He's on numerous different talk shows. He's on TV. He's all over the place. His team has also sent out tons of different campaign ads for fundraising. And in 24 hours after the announcement on Thursday last week of the announcement, he hit over uh, $4 million in campaign funds being raised uh, for the end of the first quarter, which is really good for a presidential campaign since Thursday of last week to, to this morning to earlier today. He's hit, according to Fox News, over $7 million in campaign contributions to the Trump 2024 presidential campaign. That, I mean, that right there should show you that there's not any minds being changed. While the Democrats have yet to understand that their rinse and repeat montage of abuse and hatred and paranoia, and fear campaigns i don't think they've quite grasped the concept that the rinse and repeat mentality isn't working and in fact it's only emboldening donald trump while they laughed him off in 2016 look what happened while they went after him they had to use fraudulent activity or at least some type of really dirty politics in order to keep him from getting the election in 2020 and they're trying to do the same thing again here and it's not deterring anyone from supporting donald trump the ones that are supporting him continue to support the ones that didn't support him are continuously not supporting or they're slightly leaning more towards supporting him in some way shape or form but when you've raised over seven million dollars in less than a week after this that should be a major grand hailing sign from the democrats that this isn't working you need to back off a little bit Donald Trump is the master of public relations, which is why his businesses are as big as they are. And guess what he's doing right now? While the New York City is trying to go after Donald Trump for inciting violence, while he was encouraging individuals on his tooth social media to actually come out and protest in the state of New York, in New York City, while he was advocating for that, what do they do? They put all their police officers on high alert in New York. They're ready for the quote-unquote MAGA violence, which you know is going to turn out Kind of like what did during the January 6th incident, where we're going to be peaceful. There's going to be some rabble rousers that put on MAGA hats to make us look bad. And then it's going to be, look at the violence that the Republicans and Donald Trump supporters are causing. The domestic terrorists, the anarchists in society. So what's Donald Trump doing to counter that one? Again, being the PR guy that he is, he's telling them, hey, maybe we shouldn't publicize the court hearings. Maybe we shouldn't allow to have the media in there. Which kind of counteracts the whole idea that he's wanting to incite violence, doesn't it? If he's trying to do this calmly and peaceably, uh, the media says, well, he just doesn't want to look shameful by standing in front of the court. Okay, I could see that argument. However, if we can't see what's going inside, we don't know how to react, right? I mean, that's according to the mainstream media. We don't know whether to be violent or not. So why would Donald Trump want the cameras and the mainstream media out of the courtroom when you would think if he's truly honestly wanting to incite violence that the, he would want the media in there. So that way when they come down on him and we say, We're charging you with all these things and we're coming after you and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna gag you and we're gonna stop you from talking about certain issues, then that would give the Raw the reason for his supporters that are right outside the courtroom to start going absolutely nuts and berserk. And that's what the media wants. That's what they're looking for. But that's not what's gonna happen. Because Donald Trump trying to keep the peace in the scenario, trying to do things professionally, unlike what the media is trying to accuse Donald Trump of doing. So they're going to gag him and say he can't talk about certain issues. Not sure what that's going to be yet. Whether it's parts of his business. Okay, cool. He's not talking about his business when he's on the campaign trail anyways. Whether it's about maybe the election stuff. That would tie his hands a little bit, but yet I don't think he would follow something like that. They're going to charge him. They're going to let him walk out of the, uh, out of the courtroom. He's going to get on his plane. He's going to fly to the next campaign rally, and he's going to see larger numbers than he's ever seen before and probably another couple of million dollars come into his campaign fund because that's just what he does, and he does it oh so well. But Donald Trump staying ahead of this issue which is what we have to do. I wrote my my monthly blog, which you can find on the website at hoosierreason.com I wrote my monthly blog on this being a major distraction from some of the other issues going on, including the debt ceiling and some other things. But Donald Trump, thankfully, knows how to get his message out because everybody hinges on what he has to say. And Republicans, I think, have done kind of a bad job at being able to actually get their message out there without having it twisted or manipulated or at least filtered through the mainstream media. We haven't quite found our outlet where we can actually do something productive on our end and get the message out without the mainstream media. Haven't quite tweaked that system, but we're working on it. Talk radio is a great way. Podcasting is a great way. But when the media, all of the media, including even Fox News to a degree, is on the other side filtering the message we're trying to get out there, it makes it very difficult for us. Donald Trump, on the other hand, while the media tries to find the negative light for him, all they do is fuel that fire. And the more attention they give him, the better he does in the polls, the better he does with the American people. And they haven't quite figured that out yet. And you would think after, what, four five years of being president, after running on the campaign trail for two times before this, that you would think they would learn stay away and just ignore him. And if you ignore Donald Trump, Then he doesn't get the publicity, he doesn't get the free advertising, and then he doesn't get any of the attention that he needs in order to win because he plays his cards smartly. And I say good for him. And I say good for him. So we're not going to focus on this a whole terribly lot because that's all we know. They have a video camera outside of Trump Tower. He's in Was- or he's in New York. He's landed at LaGuardia Airport. He's at Trump Tower ready to hang out for tomorrow. He's doing his big media blast, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see what kind of violence and anger and hatred and rebelliousness and anarchy that the MAGA Republicans try to ensue in New York City as they try to say that we're causing extremism in the streets. Lots more coming up on a Monday's Day here.
1: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom
0: every day. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is reason, common sense, rationale. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today. So we have the case in New York, obviously all eyes on New York city, all eyes on what Donald Trump's going to do. The 24 hour webcam in his Trump tower watching when he sneezes, when he walks into a room, when his hair flies beautifully in the wind, blowing behind him, like an 80 year old Fabio, <laughs> That's where we're at on news coverage right now, and it's kind of sickening and ridiculous. So uh, that's about all we know, the fact that he's there, and we'll see what the 34 counts of business fraud include. They say that it's paying off for the Stormy Daniels. Uh, Now, look, if he used business money or personal money to pay off Stormy Daniels, which, by the way, he did not, he paid him through Cohen, didn't he? His former attorney, they paid, and then he never even reimbursed him. So technically, it never even came out of his funds in any way, shape, or form. I don't know what that has to do, but that's what the media is running because that's all they know too. We think it has to do with Stormy Daniels. If that is the case, it, it as long as it didn't come out of political campaign funds, then it's fine. But even then. I've said it so many times before, look at how many politicians in Washington, D.C. have their own slush fund of dark money that pay off people like that all the time during elections, for crying out loud. Al Green was one of the worst ones, millions of dollars going out to paying off people during election cycles to make sure that uh, he doesn't get in trouble for certain things while he tries to be Mr. Squeaky Clean and we need to impeach Donald Trump multiple times on frauds and lies in some way, shape or form. Outside of that, I don't know if you watch it or not anymore. Kind of a disaster of a show. It's gone downhill uh, over the years, obviously, as every other TV show has done on the mainstream media. But 60 Minutes got some of the worst ratings it's gotten since January. Why? Because of the attack, vicious, brutal attack that the host had on there going after their guest, which was this time Marjorie Taylor Green. Just the snarky comments made this throughout the entire time. People don't care about watching Marjorie Taylor Green go up against a quote-unquote, hack of a journalist news anchor on 60 Minutes. But uh, they saw 6.6 million viewers, the highest still in late-night TV, but still the second-to-worst ratings that they've seen since the beginning of the year. Not surprising. And it's not because people don't care about Marjorie Taylor Greene, but really because of the vicious attacks that the media put on her during the interview. I'm
3: asking you if you're willing to risk that. (laughs) You know what's put us in an economic... Catastrophe is again the people that have spent 31 trillion dollars that forced this situation to happen. Well, wait a minute. Trump is as much responsible I said for that as any. All right, everybody. Everybody. Right. Republicans, Democrats. Okay. It was all before I got here. Would you be willing to vote for compromise? In other words, raise some taxes. I don't think we have a revenue problem in Washington. We have a spending problem. You know something? That's glib. That's glib. That, what does that mean? The two sides have to come together and hammer it out. Cut spending. Uh, both oh, <laughs> both well, sides need to cut spending. Where do you yeah. want to cut it? COVID bailout money and a lot of green energy spending. But are you willing to let us go into default? No. I've always said I wouldn't do that. So would you compromise? It depends. On uh, taxes. You won't. <laughs> no, you won't. I'm not raising taxes.
0: Wow. Wow. Just trying to hammer on him. Again, it's garbage. I don't know why anybody watches that stuff any longer. But uh, that's the same way they went after Donald Trump when they tried to do it. They sat down. He walked off of it, I believe, uh, early (laughs) early on in the interview. And they just didn't want anything to do with him. Just the snarky comments of, you said this, you said that. And uh, defense, uh, the Republicans always have to go on to the defense there. Uh, It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Donald Trump, however, not backing down. Marjorie Taylor Greene not backing down. Is this the face of the new Republican Party moving forward? Only for the fact that this is the demonization the Democrats have done for years. Is this now going to be the face of the party to where they are the brass? We don't give a crap. We're going to just shake up the system, rattle the cage, overturn the tables, and start anew by cleaning out the corrupt Washington, D.C. swamp. Not necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of people go for that kind of campaign message. There is a rumor that MTG will, could also potentially be the VP for donald trump as we get closer to the election as well presidential candidate coming on the program right around the corner stay the here voice
1: of reason with andy hoosier when reason meets radio this
0: is the voice of reason with andy who's all right it is reason common sense rationale welcome back into the program that's what we do here each and every day trying to carpe diem all over this place baby (laughs) welcome back into it we'll get back to the trump issue in just a little bit uh making i love the media coverage here he landed at Laguardia airport he's at trump tower we had the live video feed he sneezed everybody he sneezed we need to watch him good lord I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We'll talk some more about that here in just a little bit. But as promised, as we get into our What's Trending segment of the day.
1: What's Trending Today.
0: Excited to have a new guest on the program and a presidential candidate for 2024. As he is a graduate of Harvard Business School, he's a financial expert. He's author of the book Primary Mistake. He's also a former mayor from Cranston, Rhode Island. And the Daily Mail has called him the potential breakout candidate for the 2024 presidential election. Excited to have on the program here Mr. Steve Laffey. Steve, how are you, my friend?
4: Andy, I'm great. So great to, to be with you today.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on here. First off, congratulations on the announcement for president. Uh, that is taking politics to a whole nother level going at such a large scale there. How's it feel?
4: It feels good. It's, you know, the, the thought process that at the age of 61, with my background, which is unique to run for president, vastly different from other people. And I feel like the time is right, like it was when I ran for mayor of Cranston. There was a financial collapse. This a much more of a microcosm, I know. But I knew there was one. I told the city there was one before I announced. It happened. The city went to the United States of America the day before I was elected. And we engineered the fastest financial turnaround in any U.S. city in the United States of America in the history of America uh, by having the bond rating go up eight notches in three and a half years. So that's what I do. I work for a financial firm. I was president of a financial firm. I went to Harvard Business School. I taught the top finance course at the University of Rhode Island for three and a half years. This is what I do. And it's time for somebody to actually announce and say, here's what I'm going to do, rather than, I don't even make fun of people. People have websites with nothing on it. If you go to stevelaffey.com, and I won't pull a Ron Paul on you. Repeat it 400 times. But if you go to steveclappy.com, you, uh, you will see that I have complete solutions. That, by the way, I'm not an inventor, Andy. Like a lot of them come from very learned people, not me. I just implement the best stuff to make sure that our children actually have a future. I have six kids. They don't. They'll have a great future because they have me. But a lot of kids are not going to get what I got growing up, which is I'm a lower middle class. Public school kid who ended up at 22 at Harvard Business School because of the people around me, Yeah. because of the schools that were good. But they're not good any longer, Andy. So I'm running to, to, to directly confront problems unlike my opponents.
0: There's a lot of stuff that we could go down. I love going down a lot of these rabbit holes. First off, let's talk about the economic stuff. Right now, obviously, we're battling the debt ceiling where the Treasury Department has said that they're doing, quote-unquote, extraordinary measures to try and pay our bills, where we need to raise this debt ceiling. And, Steve, we're already sitting at 100% utilization of our private sector. If we consume every penny from every man, woman, and child in Mm -hmm. business across the private sector, it would barely cover the debts that we have as a nation right now, and the Democrats are sitting here saying we just need to loosey-goosey raise the debt ceiling again without questions, without compromise, without negotiation. How dare you ask us to cut any spending whatsoever? Just go ahead and do it. What would that do to the nation if we end up continuing down this road?
4: Well, the financial crisis is already here. So, So even if they increase it, which I wouldn't or don't, there's no getting out of the box. As I correctly say in my movie, Fixing America, which I made in 2011, once we cross $20 trillion in borrowed money, we're at $24 trillion today, Andy, there is no going back. We can't take rates up to what are normal, which would be 6% on average, where America has borrowed through U.S. treasuries and bills and notes over the last 35 years. We can't do that. We can't pay the interest on $24 trillion. We can't pay $1.4 trillion in interest in the budget. Can't do it. We can't take and take rates down to zero again because they'll have to print more money. And now people know about inflation. It'll just keep revving up. So now we're going to have to have a lot of pain. There's only one, one way around it. By the way, can I, can I stop and say that Janet Yellen is not telling the truth when she says there are extraordinary measures, blah, 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 blah. None of that is true, folks. The interest in the debt will get paid whether, whether or not the interest in the debt yeah. will get paid whether or not they do anything or don't show up for work. That'll get paid first. So they always say this, but again, one of the things that they say from the federal corrupt government, no matter who's in power, but it's wrong. It's just on the face of it, wrong. So there's a lot of things they could do, Andy. We could go and say, wow, what worked in Switzerland 20 years ago? Oh, they had to switch debt break. Why don't we put that in? That means that debt can't grow faster than spending ever, and we have to balance the budget over a business cycle. They did it 20 years ago. Switzerland's debt to GDP was 24%. Then it's Twenty-four percent today. Ours is over a hundred. So we can fix Social Security, like I have on my website, which we don't have to go into. But we could do that. We could do a lot of things right now to take trillions out of the present value of our debt. We refuse to, as Republicans, to do it when we say Social Security is off the table. Right? That seems to be financially immoral. I know I'm running on a third rail issue, but the American people totally disagree with Mike Pence who on CNBC last week said first we have to get people to understand there's a problem andy everybody knows there's a problem
0: yeah well and <laughs> this let's let's
4: what politicians say
0: yeah let's go, go down the road of social security for a second because look i'm 34 and i recognize that yeah. i probably will not receive social security by the time i'm ready to retire which causes the burden for me of like, I don't know quite what to do. And, you know, the uh, the retirement plans and Social Security, what's going to happen here? So I think younger generations, if they're half interested or half paying attention to the world or half starting to act like or pretend to be an adult in some way, shape or form in my screwed up, crazy, wild millennial generation, that Social Security is an issue that they're starting to pay attention to. What is going to happen to Social Security for my generation? And how do we start fixing this problem?
4: All right, so what happens if I'm not president is simply this. They find a way. They don't cut old people's checks by 20% in 2034 or 2035 or whenever. Next year, they will say it's 2033. What they do is they run inflation higher than the cost of living adjustment.
0: I think we just lost him. He's going to have to give us a call back here. That's Steve Laffey. Again, you can go to stevelaffey.com. I just heard the click. Maybe that was the government, man, the CIA. They're saying, uh uh-uh, not a lot of talk about that issue. Not allowed to actually have uh, any kind of conversation on that one. I think I'm I'm lumping it up I'm to here. the CIA. Oh, there he is. All right. I was wonder. I I was wondering. The government said no. You're not allowed to talk about that. Done. Over. <laughs> no, well,
4: so they well, they will run inflation higher yeah. and make your cost of living adjustments. So the check when you get a letter, maybe you don't get one now. You're young, but when you get one that says you're going to get three thousand dollars a month, well, that that'll be three thousand dollars a month when you're sixty-four. It'll just be equivalent to $300 by the time you get there, right? Yeah. Today's $300. So that's what they'll do unless you do my plan, which I got from Larry Kotlikoff. And here's what it is. Oh, by the way, the immoral nature is simply this. Someone making, who's 34, who makes hundred grand a year, knows in his brain he's somehow paying in $12,000 plus per year. Six comes out of his, six comes with the employer, but it's still really his, right? So, so, and he also knows when he meets with the financial advisor, he's not getting it. She's not getting it. That's the immoral part of Speaker McCarthy, Donald Trump, the whole gang. They're not going to touch it. Um, but what has to happen is we grandfather the people who are already retired. Boom, you're going to get it, right? Yeah. Two, we go to everybody else. Let's say they're 20 and say, you're in a new system. We're going to buy no Charles Schwab, no Morgan Stanley. We're going to buy a worldwide basket of stocks, real estate, blah, 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 blah in one account. And all the people who are 20, when you turn 64, now, if you die along the way, your ears get it. If you get married and get divorced 10 years later, you you split it. What you put in, what your wife put in, et cetera, et cetera. But say you turn 62. You all make it to 62. We stop buying tips or or inflation-adjusted whatever. And by the time you're 70, you all get a lot more money, a lot more money than today. I wrote a paper on this in 1983 at Bowdoin College, Andy. So, so the people, by the way, in order to fix something, I just need to be very blunt with people. Say you're 47 right now, and you're listening to the show, and you're like, hmm, you're 53. There's a chance you could get less. We, put, we, we, we zero out you into the, from the old system. We put you into the new system, but we only have seven years for you, Joe Blow. We only have 12 years for you, Sally, right? There is a part that you could get less because you're in both systems. But here's the thing. What happens to the $61 trillion unfunded liability of Social Security twice our national debt? It goes to zero. What yeah. happens to the dollar? The dollar will stay relatively stronger if they know that that went away. So that's, by the way, if someone has a better program, I'm all in, Andy. Yeah. I just spent years studying it and decided that Larry Kotlikoff at Boston University had the best program, so, again, I'm not an inventor. You're not talking to Alexander Graham Bell. I, what I do is take best practices, adopt them, and tell people the truth. But that is one way out of the game of of lying to people and one way for people to get real money when they retire. It's a step too far to say we're not going to have it right now. Yeah. I get it, right? So, so we just can't say that and have anybody actually speak to you. But that's a program that would work. And we should adopt. But I'm the only person who actually will say this, who has it on his website. And that's that's going to be the key to whether...
0: Yeah, go ahead. That's a, well, I'm going to say that's that's the thing. It's such a controversial topic to say that we need to privatize Social Security, but the crazy part is other nations are doing styles like this while Bernie Sanders, for example, tries to hold up these Scandinavian countries as being socialist and we need to do this quote-unquote Democrat socialism like they're doing out there. That That's what they've done with many of their programs is it's a government program that's been invested into the private market to allow it to flourish and not have that looming debt over their yeah. nation, and it's been relatively successful as well. Steve, we got to take a Hard break here. Hang tight. Way well, I want to get to when we come back. Sure. And I want to shift gears and I want to focus on more of these because guess what? Actually, having solutions to problems, which is a wild concept that you usually don't hear on the campaign trail. So it's definitely a different approach. And I think people are going to enjoy this when it's Republican candidate for the presidential election 2024, Steve Laffey, which you can find online at stevelaffey.com. When we come back, I want to talk about some more of the platform. I want to talk about the state of the Republican Party and the hopes. Of getting us back on track in 2024. Can we actually get something productive done? Because I think a lot of people are feeling a little hopeless. We'll do that when we come back here for a Monday here on the Voice Reason. Stay right here. This is the
1: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day.
0: The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, welcome back into our Reason, Common Sense, Rationale. Rocking through on Monday today. Happy. See, here's the bad part, man. I wanted to be on the radio so bad on April 1st because we always love pulling April Fool's pranks on people. I didn't get a chance to do that. So get ready, ladies and gentlemen. Next year, we will find, <laughs> we'll find a way to make it happen. Get on the air April 1st on April Fool's Day. Right now, though, we are kicking off quarter number two. Can you believe it? We are springtime, April showers. It was 80 degrees this weekend. I'm not going to glow in the dark any longer. I actually got some sun. It was awesome. I loved it. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Right now, we're hanging out with Steve Laffey, stevelaffey.com, Republican candidate for presidential race of 2024. And, Steve, i got to ask about the party right now, obviously. A lot of attention on Donald Trump and what's going on with the court hearings that are going to be tomorrow. Your opinion on the state of the Republican Party as a whole, uh, from us standing for our conservative values that we're supposed to be standing for, the sensationalism or the populism that we've seen under Donald Trump and other candidates as well, Kevin McCarthy's leadership. I mean, as a whole, what's your thoughts on the Republican Party right now?
4: I think it's a disaster. In fact, uh, you don't know this, maybe be about me, but by book a primary mistake published by Penguin Books was a well-received political book in two thousand seven because I am the only elected Republican, according to Craig Shirley Reagan's biographer, since Abraham Lincoln to be attacked by the National Republican Party while I ran for higher office. So that book is still used by people running for office. And I think today we have many of the same problems. And it's not the populism. Listen, I believe a popul- as a populist that I could get 17 college buddies or 17 friends from first grade to run the Federal Reserve Board, and they would do a better job, and inflation would be zero. Yeah. It, it doesn't take a genius to do this stuff. If I was president, we wouldn't have a Harvard-Yale cabal at the Supreme Court. There's got to be someone who went to Tennessee State who did could do a good job. But what I'm saying is that the, the Republican Party doesn't have an agenda that, that it, it needs to pick something out. And it can't just be we won't touch Social Security. It can't just be a reaction to Democratic policies. It can't just be the emails that I get that are hateful, that all Democrats are Marxists. That's not a winning formula. A winning formula would be that, listen, we're really sorry we overspent by $8 trillion while Donald Trump was president. We love some of the conservative stuff he did with judges. We love the deregulation. But we're going back on track. We're fiscal conservatives. We're going to try to be like Coolidge. Yeah. We're going to bring the party back by telling people no and telling them the truth. And you know what? If we lose, the chips fall where they may, because we have crossed the Rubicon anyway on spending and debt. As I explained earlier, it's over. Andy, when I announced that I was running, I said in the 30-second thing you could play at SteveLaffey.com video we have a financial crisis. Not it's off in the distance anymore, like I used to say. <laughs> I said, I'm running because it's here now. Yeah. And the other people will not even talk about it. And you've got to let me fix it. Yeah. And so the Republican Party has to join with me and the American people who are willing to hear the truth as long as it's fair. As long as everybody takes a little bit of a hit. Americans, you watch my movie, Fixing America. You can watch my movie. Go to the FixingAmericaMovie.com. I made a movie about this. Like, it's eerily like a secular Jeremiah, (laughs)
2: where
4: where the Assyrians haven't haven't shown up yet. But I'm right. China's growth would never come for them to be a democracy. The debt would get too big and we'd go bankrupt. They're
0: both happening now. They're both happening right now. Yeah. Are you optimistic? And we got just about a minute left here as we start wrapping things up. But are you optimistic that this year, with the Republicans leading the House of Representatives, that we could get an actual federal budget with the 12 appropriations bills and actually address it? Or do you think we're going to end up passing another just massive, omnibus package by the end of the year?
4: Uh, the, the, the latter, unfortunately. <laughs> the, the, the the political cowardice will continue because we don't have term limits. Because, there's a lot of things to go on. One last thought. If I were president, everybody in, in the House, the Senate, the president would, have, would only own U.S. dollars and U.S. banks and savings accounts you think the dollar would be strong or weak? You mm-hmm. think they'd pay you some interest to pay keep it at zero? Yeah,
0: yeah. What I a concept! Think, I think we know the answer. What a concept! I love it. A Steve Laffey a Republican candidate for a presidential race of twenty twenty four. Steve, I love it, man. We got to get you back on the show as the as the uh, race continues to heat up here. How are you feeling in about twenty seconds here? How are you feeling on the on the initial start of the campaign here?
4: I am feeling like Herman Cain told me: Ooh. you go slog your way through and wait for that moment when people turn to you and you've got the answer, Steve.
0: And what I do. About. I
4: have the answers. I have the background. It's unique, but it can fix
0: America. SteveLaffey.com. SteveLaffey.com. Go and check it out. Steve, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Let's do it again soon. Thank you, sir. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is. Great information right there. There it is. All right. Podcast up in just a little bit. We'll get that up for you. Also tomorrow, big day, obviously, to see what the heck's going on in New York City. The arraignment of Donald Trump. Maybe we got to check. Maybe he took a shower in the last week, uh, couple hours. We got to go check and make sure the media is covering that one for us. Until then, be your own voice. Reason. This is the voice. Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.